Welcome to Shelter Island, the podcast where we shoot the shit and compare the lives of a Brit and a Yankee. I'm your host, Mason Coleman, and I'm lucky to be joined by my good old American friend from across the pond, Jack Karnowitz. Jack, how are we doing? How are we doing? We're doing great. Um, I promise there's no hard feelings about a couple hundred years ago. Uh, we're all equals here today. <laughs> you said that. Good times. <laughs> That's the most American introduction I could, I could possibly <laughs> think of. Like, I'm pretty sure ev- every American that has ever introduced themselves to a British person has brought that up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think from the very first day we met, you you kind of brought in them kind of colonial jokes from out of nowhere. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, welcome everybody to Shelter Island. Uh, for those of you wondering what on earth is Shelter Island, well, we probably ask ourselves that every day. But the real reason behind the name, uh, Hymo, I think you're the best person to really kind of start with it because it all started with you, right? Yeah. So um, actually, my uh, my grandmother lives in a place called Shelter Island, um, wedged right between the two forks of Long Island, New York. Um, this quaint little island you have to get you have to take a boat to get there uh she lives in this big house by herself um and just kind of as a kid i always thought uh how cool it would be to have some sort of country duo named shelter island you know you have florida georgia line and uh brooks and dunn and then next up on the stage shelter island you know so when when i got to come i remember i brought a guitar and you even wrote on there shelter island the true duo it was this country kind of this fictional country duo thing we had and when we think of ideas and names to the podcast um we were thinking of all different things really about uh, americans and brits and there were so many different ones we could have gone for but when we looked at it a bit more of course shelter island is in new york and then the county that shelter island is in is suffolk county which is also the county i'm from in england so that's probably just a fluke to be honest isn't it mate what's up that's probably just a fluke that it's, it's Suffolk County, isn't it? It's just it's just one of them lucky things, really. I had to ask because I've I've never heard that word <laughs> fluke before. <laughs> what fluke? Fluke. Like that's just a fluke. I I I thought that meant like a mess up. But that, that's quite yeah. It kind of is like a fluke. It's just like if you fluke something, it's to be fair. I don't really know how to explain it other than fluke. Like it's a coincidence. Y- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty much like you've never heard a fluke no but you learn something new every day yeah absolutely i can't believe you've never heard a fluke that's bonkers <laughs> so for those of you who don't know and i think those listening some of some of them will know that i went to camp chippenhall and of course you did too and i can even hear everyone Every single person goes beep, 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 beep with me when I go to camp because all I do is I constantly bloody mention it at every opportunity I get. And that's true, I do, and I'm mentioning it right now. Um, but of course, you were there from kind of the get-go to start. So I went there working for a summer. But this was something of your life. Like, you grew up there, right? Yeah, so I started at Camp Chippenhall when I was seven years old. Um, and how did, I pretty how did much... you get into that? Like... I mean, us lot in the UK, like we don't have anything like that at all. Like we, if like a summer camp isn't really a thing. I think as kind of a, as a Jewish American, northeasterner, 
I think it's kind of a rite of passage. You know, your your grandparents go to summer camp, your parents go to summer camp, you and your siblings and your cousins all go to summer camp. Um, so my older brother went to Chippenaw. Um, and then immediately, without even questioning it, I just wanted to go and be with my family and experience what they were all doing every single summer. That's so. crazy, though. Like, I mean, yeah, like the stereotypes from, from the UK, it's just, you know, those who go to summer camp or just the summer camp in general seems to be this whole paradise kind of tucked away in the woods somewhere and you do all sorts of random stuff. But from what we gather, it seems to be like a place where rich American parents dump their kids off for the summer so they can go on a skiing holiday in Aspen or go somewhere in Florida and relax, get away from the kids for the summer. Is that the vibe or is it like, is it good for you as well? Like, do you enjoy going or were you like skeptical or nervous beforehand or? Oh, I hopped right onto the bus. Oh, you were buzzing from the get-go. Yeah, I, immediately <laughs> I told my parents, I'm, I'm out, later. bye. I'm off. <laughs> so, I, I had no problem at all. Um, my parents wanted to send me just as much as I wanted to send them. They were they yeah. were ready to get rid of me for the summer. So, growing up there then, so was it kind of expected that you went there every single summer? Or could you be like, oh, I'll have a year off here, this is doing me head in? Or did you just like, want to go every single summer and see everybody? You kind of had to. If you skipped a summer, you missed everything. You know, you you couldn't take a year off because when you got back, so much happened the summer before. Things happened during the year. Um, as you start to get older, and you know, you you get into your girls and stuff. It's like <laughs> if you, if you miss a summer, the girls they they quickly forget about you. You know, you you come back the next summer and they're like, "What is your name again?" So yeah, you don't, you don't want that nightmare, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to stay every every year until you just don't go. Is that what made you stay there to work then? Like, obviously, you, you became a counsellor. That's how we met because we both worked there. But obviously, you right. you went there as a kid yourself. So, like, yeah, was it just just natural for you to make that next step up? I think I just saw how much fun the counsellors were having. Uh, and I knew that it was going to be a way different experience than being a camper there. Um. I've also, I heard rumors and stories of what counselors do on their time off. And the... <laughs> oh yeah, that's, that's a whole new episode, <laughs> that is, isn't it? Bloody hell. <laughs> so well, I, I was like, I need wow. to figure out what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, that kind of brings it all to where I rocked up then. Uh, 2017. Yeah, well remembered. Bloody hell, that long ago. Yeah. Mate, time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, so, Coming on four years. Yeah, so I kind of, for me, what it was, obviously it was kind of painted up to be a thing of working abroad. And how I kind of, how I kind of got into camp, um, it was, I was at uni one day, and at my student union there was like a convention where you could work abroad and earn money from, from work abroad. And I had a free period in my day, so I thought, bugger it, I'll go and... Um, have a little look, see what's all about. And I went down and there was all sorts of different ones like climb Mount Kilimanjaro, go to discover Machu Picchu. They had all sorts there and it was like it seemed amazing. And then I, and you I went, chose <laughs> to be in the woods of New York. 
that hold up with little kids. Yeah, all right, all right. Hold up. No, mate, you were there all your life. What are you on about? Yeah, but what was appealing about it to you? Right, I'm t- right. what it was, was these... these. <laughs> this is... It's not... You can't even explain it. I can't. Basically, all these other ones, like, you'd go up there and they'd basically sell you the dream. And when you'd ask, they'd be like, oh, yeah, it costs, like, £5,000. Like, that's, like, five grand. That is ridiculous. Being a student as well, when I could hardly afford a pint, like, <laughs> I'm not going to afford five grand. I'm expect you to fundraise. And I'm not going to fundraise. I'll listen, can I have a holiday from my mates? Like, no, it's not going to work. <laughs> um, so then I saw this USA summer camp, and it's one of many companies that they do that thing. And it, they basically said, for, oh, you can work in the States, you get paid for it, and it will only cost you 600 quid, including, you know, your flights, your your visas, your certificates, everything like that. And call me a cheapskate if you like, but I thought, well, bang on, 600 quid is cheaper than five grand, so I'll go for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's so, why so I ended up in a, at a random ass summer camp and everything. But the process with it was quite drawn out. Like for you, you kind of obviously knew what one you wanted to go to, what camp, because it ran in the family. But for me, I, so I had this thing in Nottingham where I found out like I was, gonna go to a to a camp of some sort and then i had to go to birmingham for another interview i then had to go to manchester for a placement fair which is where i got placed into chippenor and then i had to go down to london to do all my visa stuff at the embassy so it was quite a lot and then eventually i rocked up over um, you had four interviews to be a camp counselor <laughs> yeah would you believe that's more difficult than yeah. a full-time job pretty much i'll tell you what it was so um I, I kind of had a, a slight feeling I knew what I was getting myself in for because it was so right. This is this is like so stereotypical American of how I knew I got into this camp, right? So, I, well, the line for Chippenor, which is the camp we went to, was so long. Like you had all these other, there was like Orthodox Jew camps. There was there was all sorts of different ones there. So I queued up for a couple, and it just weren't the vibe at all. And I was like, nah, I'm not feeling this one. So I was queuing up for this um, chip and all, and then they said all general camp counsellors with kind of what's the I wouldn't say sold I was going to say sold out like <laughs> not sold out but what's the word I'm looking for that they kind of filled up all their quota of of counsellors. Uh, so I then rocked up as a specialist to do radio, uh, and I kind of fluked it a little bit. See, I'm using fluke again. You know what it means oh, now. Okay, so so it yeah. has multiple meanings. Apparently. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so I kind of, yeah, just just, just rocked up and uh, started speaking to one of the Americans from, from camp there. And I, I got all the way to the end of the interview there and I thought it went really well and I kind of told him about what I do. And then it was Iggy and in the most American st- stereotype way, he went, oh, before you go, he went, can you play Wonder a while? Like, I was like, oh my God. It was literally just like, I was like, uh, yeah. And he just like reached his hand out. I was like, you're hired. You're hired. And I was like, get in. I got it. And honestly, it was so, that kind of just kind of painted the picture before I got there really. Of, oh my God, these, these Americans are going to be something else. If you can play Wonderwall, you're in every American's pocket. 
<laughs> You're the dream. <laughs> that's, that's the top trump card, really, isn't it? <laughs> I definitely have a question for you. What, how, what was your first reaction when, uh, if you recall, the first time we met was in the dining hall a week before the kids came? And um, I walked up and I introduced myself. You were sitting at a table with a few other people. What was your first impression when I came up to you and I said that I was going to be living with you for two months? <laughs> Do you want me to be nice or...? <laughs> I, want, I want cold, hard truth. <laughs> right. So I kind of had a, a preconception of you before I even met you. So obviously you rocked up a little bit later on. So all the international counsellors, uh, so me, the Aussies, everything like that, we, we, we rocked up to the cabins where we were staying and um, all the, the kids' names who we were sharing the bunk with were lined up along. So, of course, me and this Australian guy, Sam, we were in this one bunk, and nearly all the other bunks had two counsellors in as well. So I thought, right, okay, so we must have six kids. And then I was reading out all the names, obviously, and then I kind of I only just started to realise when I was there that most of them, like, Jewish, etc. And then I was just going through not being stereotypical or anything, and I said, oh, this kid, this Jack Harnowitz seems so American. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought you were one of the campers, like, straight from the bat. And, like, from the get-go, I thought you were one of them. And then, obviously, you then rocked up with this really wild, bushy hair. Oh, I did have long <laughs> hair that summer. You're yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, like, out of nowhere... And yes, he just rocked up and was like, oh, hi, I'm Jack, I'm, I'm, I'm Hymo. And I was like, bloody hell. I have to admit, I was a terrible camper. I was a spoiled brat. Um, I, I got in trouble a lot as a child <laughs> at camp. <laughs> what, what, so uh, so what, what could like seven-year-old little Hymo do that's so bad? Like, oh, what did you li- do? All right, I'm going to paint a picture for you right here. So picture a seven-year-old, maybe like four foot seven or below that. You know, I was a pretty tall child back then. I haven't grown since. Um, (laughs) But at at seven years old, I was pushing like 200 pounds. I was a large child. Um, And there are just times where... I've seen the old photos where you're right, you're right, little chubby kid, isn't you? (laughs) <laughs> every you time got, I you refer got the to fat. every time I refer to my old stories, I just have an alter ego called Fat Jack. So it's like Fat Jack did this, Fat Jack did that. Love um, the I have many stories vaulted about Fat Jack and his ill-tempered behaviors, <laughs> just because someone got in between him and a grilled cheese, or someone uh, called him fat in front of a girl, or. Uh, someone dissed Carrie Underwood, who I had a massively large crush on as a child. You know. <laughs> right, here we go. This is our beer of the week. <laughs> Invented by no. Um, what we, yeah, we basically have a beer. That's, that's all there is to it, really. <laughs> like, just sit and have a beer and yeah. judge whether it's nice or not. Yeah, what have we gone for this week, then? Uh, so we were supposed to go for Moretti this week. I well, see I've you have one. one. Of course, I go to the market to buy mine, and 
I've definitely had beer Moretti before. Um, and yeah, I we must go have up had, to this, had some, yeah. And I, I, I go up to the supermarket and nowhere to be found. And it's maybe an hour ago, like right before this podcast. <laughs> and I'm clamoring up, like, what do I do? Mason is going to kill me that I don't have the same beer as him. Yeah, um, so I... So I have uh, I, the next best thing is Peroni. So we're um, I'll give you that. Yeah, that's, that's a solid it's, replacement. It's it's the same region. It's yeah. not as good as it's not as good as Moretti. That's a bold call. I'm making that call. Oh, he's done. And oh, all right, okay. I I and I don't mean to brag, but I think I have the right to make that call because you know I so someone in this chat lived in Italy for six months. Oh, did they? You should you should have mentioned it to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> is is this the first time I'm mentioning it? Yeah, you, sh- you should have said it to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, for you, for those of you that don't know out there, I uh, went abroad as many American students do uh, to Florence, Italy, and like Mason talks about camp every waking second of his life. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not that bad with it. <laughs> anyone on the street and any bag packer in the supermarket or girl at the checkout line knows that Jack Heimowitz went abroad to Italy. Absolutely. So, so we'll, we'll crack these open then. Let's crack these open, yeah. Lovely. Cheers, my man. No better sound. No better sound. That's right, the, cheers. the best sound someone can make. Oh, unreal. Peroni is refreshing, but I have to tell Mate. you, Moretti's probably better. Moretti's hitting the spot. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's it's bloody damn good. All right. So on a scale of one to ten, one being Cold the fun. shittiest American fun beer life. that you had. There's, there's a few of that. Trust me. You got Bud Light, Coors Light, Miller Light. Everything's light. And ten being something that you would brush your teeth with. It's so good. Ooh. Where would Moretti fall? This taste, this taste test, wowza. Um, I'd put Moretti at seven, maybe. Seven, maybe, nice. maybe, maybe eight. But okay. that's the thing. I, d- I don't know at the moment, like what hits the your top tiers. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm still grabbing the Colgate or the Aquafresh toothpaste, right, rather than a, a bottle of Bud or something. So. <laughs> If, it, if anyone listening out there wants to fund some uh, express mail of beer, yeah, you know where to find fund us. Me. Send, <laughs> send me a pint. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the, the, one of the main reasons why I went to camp was uh, the potential to travel afterwards. And you get like a one-month grace period on your visa. So we planned a, a trip of a lifetime, didn't we? It was. It all came together actually in about a week and a half. <laughs> and it was. Uh, it was a few. Um, yeah, we remember we had a, a massive map, didn't we? And we literally just got pins and rope or string. Is probably the better, better one. We were um, ambitious with that string. We we bought wow, way too yeah. much string and we used way too much of it <laughs> to think that we can travel that much in a month in a little old van as well, like. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so I'll explain the van a little bit. We went on, um, for people who don't know, there's a website called Craigslist 
Uh, it's kind of like eBay. I don't know if you guys have it over there. I think we do. It's just not really used. We we pretty much just use the old Facebook Marketplace for things like that. Or right, but in two thousand seventeen, Facebook Marketplace wasn't really right. I give you that. Yeah, the vibe. Enough. Um, I yeah. I don't. I know. Honestly, I haven't got a clue. So, right. So, um, pretty much, people sell their offhand items uh, just to anyone. You can sell it from cars to appliances to toothbrushes if you want, and clothes. People sell toothbrushes online. Like I have seen some ones. I have seen some weird shit on Craigslist. Let me tell you. That could be a whole segment in itself, just me just pulling up Craigslist ads of just weird shit that people sell. That is crazy. Yeah. Use Anyways. Toothbrushes. I it's been done. Wow. That is <laughs> <laughs> That's just I've got no words for that. <laughs> Anyways, we ended up finding this thirteen passenger old church van. Uh just picture a big white van uh, people don't want to go near it um, and it's out in California and we contact this woman who doesn't need it anymore and for $700 <laughs> she sold us this van for $700 split between 13 people and that was it we flew out to San Francisco and we met this girl in a Walmart parking lot where she brought her van <laughs> oh good god and it was it was the deal of a lifetime what? it is Don't one of the most entertaining know. deals I've ever had <laughs> and we ended up getting this van and I remember the look on everyone's faces the moment that we pulled up, up to the Airbnb and everyone was clapping and cheering as we brought this van <laughs> And tried to pull it into the little alleyway behind the apartment we were staying at. (laughs) And the thing with this van is you would think, wow, they have a 13-passenger van. That's such a fun trip. The van was older than me and you. Yeah, it was. It had had a few miles on it, didn't it? It was um, a bit old school. (laughs) Um, It didn't have air conditioning. Um, The back sliding doors didn't work. So every time you had to go in and out of the van, you had to go through the driver's seat and the passenger seat door. So you just see 13 people. It was a death trap. It was just a death (laughs) trap. And and there was no room for luggage. So there's 13 people who just ended camp and they have their whole lives packed up with them. And immediately we had to shove everyone's bags pretty much in a corner of this van. So if someone wasn't squeezed into the back... They were clutching luggage or sitting on top of luggage. Gen- it genuinely, was... I think I- I'd be scared to think if, if there was a car accident with that van. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was literally you were trapped in the back. If you were like right at the back seat in the corner, you weren't getting out for at least a good couple of minutes because you had to. Why do you think I agreed to drive? <laughs> that is the you only reason I agreed to drive. <laughs> Speaking of drive, you learned to drive that van because it was in your name. Yeah, that was um, technically actually that was my um, my first ever car. That is a big milestone. Yeah, so my first ever car 
is a 94 white Dodge Ram van. Which we, nicknamed, <laughs> which we nicknamed Vandrew, of all things. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite the pickup line in a bar. Yeah, it's a rogue one, man. It? <laughs> hey, my name is Mason. I used to own a white van <laughs> when I was 20. <laughs> His name is Vandrew. <laughs> I'd get a beer and in my face and I'd be gone. <laughs> this van maybe lasted 13 days. I wouldn't even say that. It surely weren't even that long. It may have been... You think it was before that? I think it's maybe a a week, Max. (laughs) (laughs) The best $700 I've ever spent. (laughs) So, yeah, if you think... Hold on. It might have been like nine days or something because we... Right, we we were in San Francisco for... Was it three days? Yes. And then Yosemite for two. LA for another three. And it broke down on the way to Las Vegas. In the middle of the desert. In the middle of the desert. And we had to spend the night in a random ass Californian town, which in the middle of fuck fuck nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember the, the next day, so somber, me and you went to the impound lot to try and get any scrap of cash for it because, of course, we were all broke at that point. Mm. Um and the woman couldn't even sell the she couldn't even buy the van from us because we didn't have the official paperwork for the van <laughs> because of course it was sent to my house under your name back in New York and it all was, we had was a little printout <laughs> on a piece of paper that said that Mason Coleman owns this van it was a, a basically a fuck up start to finish really wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to top it all off as well is we got a load of like spray paint cans and graffitied it to high head and on the outside we had Homer Simpson faces polka dots you name it we had it so if if a big white Dodge 12 uh, 12 man van didn't bring enough attention to itself one with bloody fluorescent polka dots, eyes on the front, Homer Simpson, <laughs> with Vandrew written on the back. I think, <laughs> and there was a sunset as well, wasn't there? People were taking pictures with it. It was an attraction. We, we were at um, the Hollywood Bob- sign. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And and people weren't even taking pictures with the Hollywood sign. They were taking pictures with Vandrew. <laughs> yeah. Vandrew was a bigger attraction than the Hollywood sign. It's like. The Hollywood Stein will be there in five years. Van Drew probably won't make it through the night. <laughs> <laughs> he died about four days later, if that. So. <laughs> and one of my favorite stories to tell with Van Drew is the fact that, of course, I said before, there was no air conditioning. And in L.A. at the <laughs> oh, yeah. beginning of August, you guys can all probably imagine that it is scorching hot. And... We're driving through L.A. on the highway, and everyone is just sweating, like clenching bags of ice. You know, people start stripping and just going shirtless in their drawers, like literally just sitting pretty much naked. And uh, we stop for a smoke break on the highway, and we get out of the van, (laughs) and it's just a bunch of (laughs) half-naked... 
foreigners just on the side of a Californian highway on a beat-up van that has Homer Simpson as the face. <laughs> and just picture that in your head. And you can understand how our trip went. Oh. And if I'm right, like, literally, probably about ten minutes after that stop, we were just driving along and I heard a massive bang. And, like, didn't, like, the rear tire just completely pop. Yeah. The whole thing exploded because the asphalt of the highway was so hot. And poor Andrew just couldn't take it. <laughs> he couldn't take it. With 12 people in and like all that, them suitcases as well. That was the day before the van died and we had to drop a hundred bucks on a new tire. That's, yeah. The day before. Far, that was in Hollywood, wasn't it? Near the walk of, the Hollywood walk of fame. Yeah. We, yeah. we got a new tire and then we literally fitted it on or that they did, I can't really fully remember. And we were like, yeah, nice one. We're on our way. And then it was into the night, wasn't it, when the van broke down. And it, it kind of broke down twice. Like, we were on the way, it kind of just kind of started cutting out. We pulled over, and then about 20 minutes later, it got back up and running again. And then we were quite lucky, because as it was going out, we were literally just off the, I don't know what you call it, like, one of the highway exits yeah. um, into, like, a little nearby town. So we were quite lucky it weren't in the middle of a highway. I would not even call that a town. People well, did yeah, not it, live there. It was... What even was it? It was. It was what it was like. It was like Sandy Shores from GTA Five. That's literally what it was. Yes. It was. It was a pseudo rest stop. It was a glorified rest stop. It had a couple other things, maybe like an IHOP or like a Jiffy Lube to fix your car. <laughs> but it was a. It was a glorified rest stop in the middle of the desert. Yeah. But the best thing Uber to we Uber yeah, to Vegas. I was going to say this. Yeah. <laughs> We called an Uber, and we had to call maybe, like, three or four of them to get all of us there. Because it was... How, how many miles was that? It must have been quite a few. Like, 200 miles. Yeah, it was, a, it was a hell of a way, wasn't it? That was an expensive Uber. If any of you guys are worried about heading home from the bar because your Uber's too expensive, just think of Jack and Mason having to drop that much cash to get to Vegas in an Uber. <laughs> but the best part about it, though, is we kind of bigged up this whole foundry during this whole trip and originally the plan was for him to go all the way back to New York and the, the, the poor little fella couldn't even make it to Vegas but, uh, <laughs> I but can we only were, imagine I can only imagine what life would be if you made it back to New York with Vandrew that would have been that would have been some story I would have still been driving it today yeah for fun that, that would yeah that'd be in folklore that I, I would be driving to the supermarket in Vandrew every day mm. <laughs> showing them around the, I think the probably the craziest bit which is just um, I'll tell you what you could probably call this a fluke or a coincidence but when, <laughs> when we got in that Uber and um, so there's a couple of others I can't exactly remember who but there was there was a group of us obviously who all had to Uber so we had to get two separate ones and um, on, on the journey because we had to stay in that town overnight on the journey on the way to Vegas, everyone was sleeping. We're, we're telling him about our car, our trip. And the Uber driver was a proper sound guy. He was brilliant. And then we got off at, at the near the Flamingo Hotel in Vegas. And as I got out, um, I, I was talking to this guy the whole time. And I completely forgot to ask him his name. And I got out and said, oh, sorry, mate, what's your name? He went, oh, it's, it's Andrew, man, it's Andrew. And I was like, that is, <laughs> that is perfect. Like... Vandry couldn't get us to Vegas, but Andrew did. Like, 
It's it. He, Van Drew reincarnated. I'm telling you. Yeah, in human this, form, like this is the the human personification of our Van, and he had, he had the personality for it too. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> think, so, what do you th- what do you think is um what what is Van Drew now? Like, what's happened to him? Because we just left him, and that that was that. My bet is he's a refrigerator. <laughs> He's he he's doing some good for somebody out there. I believe he's doing, he's doing well. Bless him. He's doing well. <laughs> he, he, you could you could imagine him being turned into like a washing machine or a tumble dryer <laughs> or something <laughs> with the polka dots on still. <laughs> if any of you have a polka dot washing machine, just let us know. Drop us it could line. be our van. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, in honor of Valentine's Day this weekend, of course I want to prepare a little quote from one of my favorite comedians, um, pretty much just about growing old, becoming washed up, um, we've both gone through uni and I don't know about you, but my liver's on its last legs, (laughs) so I feel for this quote. So, and you can try and guess who says it. So this is Haimo's quote of the week. <laughs> right, go for it. I can't listen to any new songs because every new song is about how tonight is the night and we only have tonight. That is such 19-year-old horse shit. I want to write songs for people in their 30s called Tonight is No Good. How about Wednesday? Oh, you're in Dallas Wednesday? Let's not see each other for eight months and it doesn't matter at all. <laughs> What on earth was that? John Mulaney. Mate, I have no idea. Like, (laughs) John Mulaney's the funniest guy out there. I'm telling you. uh, That's just gone way over my head, that mate. Do you not know who John Mulaney is? No idea. Oh my god. Have you seen Big Mouth? Yeah. John Mulaney is Andrew from Big Mouth. Oh, right, okay. John Mulaney's oh, the funniest guy on the planet. Wow. He's just this this little scrawny dude who you would think would be this like New York City elitist gay guy, but he's just like this washed up married dude who just makes fun of himself. Fair and it's least. great. <laughs> I mean, that quote is probably, again, I've, I've mentioned earlier on, this is the most American thing I think I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, <laughs> anyone out there who's not met Haimo, right? If you think in your head of stereotypical Americans, he ticks every single box every time. Well, now now they're just thinking of like a mullet guy who wears American flags and cowboy boots. That's literally you. <laughs> <laughs> that is you. Okay, that <laughs> I did go through a phase. <laughs> it it was just a phase, mom. <laughs> yeah, back in the day. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. So, yeah, that wraps up uh, this week's podcast. Uh, we'll be back next week for uh, some more American and British antics from both sides of the pond. Quick little thank you before we end. Uh, a good friend of ours, Kate Lee, for designing our lovely Shelter Island logo. Big thank you to her. 
And uh, Jaime, any last words before we, uh, we end this one? Have a happy uh, Valentine's Day. Um, Thanks, everyone, and uh, have a good one. See you guys.